0: Hello and welcome back to the Red Sector, a podcast about speedy motorbikes. On today's episode, we break down the latest news and review the Indonesian Grand Prix. I am your host, Matt Polanski. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at mattpolanski1 and Twitch at GameStopReziver734. Josh is taking the night off, but that doesn't mean you don't have to go follow him at Twitter. On Twitter at Wilson J one nine four, and we couldn't do this without the Human MotoGP Wikipedia page. That is Bono. You can follow him on Twitter at BonoGP underscore and at on Instagram at BonoGP. So Bono, how you doing tonight?
1: Yeah, I'm doing all right. It's kind of uh, a bit of a miss not having Josh, but obviously work commitments do take the priority, um, which is fair enough. Oh. We'll let him off. We'll not, you know, send any any death threats to him just just yet, but, you know. Um, But no, in all seriousness, yeah, I'm doing very well. Nice to have MotoGP back, and we're back to another two-week break, so I'm going to cry myself to sleep for the next fortnight-ish. But yeah, no, all in all, I'm very good.
0: Yeah, so we're going to start this episode off with some news, and we wanted to start off by giving a shout-out to whoever at Dorna, MotoGP, prime video whoever it was that made the graphic of the reviews for MotoGP unlimited that they included one of our reviews so whoever you are i'm sure you're listening because dorna has stolen so much from us <laughs> and has used our you know comments and stuff like that so somebody out there is listening and whoever you someone are is. thank someone, you
1: so, someone is out there going
0: i know who that is <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so whoever you are, thank you. Uh, for those that missed it, uh, MotoGP put out a graphic basically saying thank you for all the kind words. And if you look in the top right corner, you can see our review, our like tweet about episode eight. And yeah, so.
1: Which I am actually currently funny. watching. I, I've watched every episode now other than eight. Um, and from what I've watched, it correlates to what you were saying. Um, I was very close. I was very close with <laughs> emotions. I was, yeah, I'm not going to give anything away because I think mm-hmm. we said we'll give it like a month until it's been out. To yeah. Sort of, like we could do a review and we- say, look, this is a spoiler. Like, you know, don't listen if you want a thingy. But just for right. now, I'll not give anything away. I think maybe the next podcast we do, we'll probably, you know, yeah, we'll probably, out, but yeah. Like being
0: that we have an off week next week, we'll probably do the review next yeah, week.
1: Yeah. So, um, but honestly, so far, like, five out of five for me. I loved it. Loved mm-hmm. every every minute of it. But, again, we'll get into that another time. But, yeah, thanks to the person that put us in. That was nice. Nice little touch. Um,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so uh, moving on to some news. There really wasn't that much news coming into the Indonesian Grand Prix. Uh, and there wasn't even that much news leading up to the race, the biggest, you know, some of the big talking points were that like riders like Paul Aspargaro, uh, Mark has, I think. Peko had to go through Q1.
2: Peko. There's quite a few
0: Peco, like, Peco, contenders. Mia.
1: Yeah. Peko, Mia, 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 Paul, Mark. Um, well, I feel like there's another one, but I can't think off the top of my head. Um, uh, but yeah, th- there was, there was some pretty big names in, that Q1 session, so it was definitely gonna mm-hmm. be you know four don't go into two. Um, and yeah all I will say is is we did an episode for anybody listening, we did an episode and we've spoke about this before. we've had one episode that has failed on us. we've gone all the way through the recording and then f- realized that the recording has failed. Um, that one episode that we did that failed. I went on a bit of a rant about people taking testing way too serious and basically relying on that to predict races and championships before a wheel's actually been turned that classifies towards a race. And let's just say what I was ranting about prevailed because we went into Indonesia and there was a lot of people saying, Polo Spargro, this, this is it. Like, you know, he was flying here at testing. He he will you know, he'll be up there. If not, he'll win. Like, given, just a given, he will be up there. Um And, well, I mean, I know we'll get into MotoGP and whatnot, but the fact that he had to go through Q1 didn't make it through Q1. Yeah. I mean, Honda suffered a lot this weekend, like a lot. And really. Yeah. Like, on Saturday, by the end of Q2, I was like, I will be amazed if a Honda's in the top five. Like, because the rear grip issues and everything, as we will definitely get into, anybody that's been living under yep. a rock might not know what I'm talking about, but everybody else knows I'm talking about. Um, but even disputing that, coming out of that penultimate corner, um, constantly just see the rear end flicking and sliding and yeah, mm-hmm. they, they they were struggling a lot, Honda. Um which just goes to show, you know, you testing is one thing, but it it's not the same. It's not the same when you race. I mean, you right. know, you, you've only got to look at F1 in Bahrain that have tested at the same track that they've raced at. If testing meant what was going to happen, everyone would finish in the same place. And they haven't. So mm-hmm. you can't take testing too serious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll, I'll not get too deep yes. into that. Um, we'll probably get into GP a bit later.
0: Yeah, so the riders that were, um, you know, usually Q2 contenders were Bang Yaya, uh, Mark, Pohl, and Mir. Those were the four. Um, but the biggest news came after all of the Q stuff, and it came during warm-up on Sunday when Mark Marquez basically turned, in, turned himself into the NASA project and tried to launch himself to the moon. Um, had a massive high side, uh, looked like at one point he was 12, 15 feet in the air and came down hard, uh, destroyed the bike. Um, he got up and walked away, but you could tell like he was hurting, made it. He got back to the, uh, to the garage. They sent him for the medical check and then it was about moto three time whenever it came out that he had been sent to the hospital to be checked out and then i think it was during moto two came out he was unfit to race so all of that going on with mark brings up my debate question for the week maybe this will become a regular thing should mark start thinking about the future he's had the broken arm he's had countless injuries concussions the uh the that condition with his. I
1: would deploy. Well, the condition well, yeah.
0: with his Delopia. Um, now he's starting. And it looked like last year after he came back, especially at Portimao, he was like, started thinking, like, okay, I really need to start thinking about my future and start like taking it easy. But then coming into this season, it's like, nope, back, same old mark, just pushing, trying to go as hard as he can. So should he take a step back and start looking towards his future. You know, he's 29. How many more injuries can he take and still have the same quality of life that he has now?
1: Yeah, it's a big question. I mean, first and foremost, I want to say not that this becomes a regular thing. It might do, but I have two contenders for my donor Worker of the day, one of them being the cameraman who was out in the wet through, like absolute, absolutely drenched, um, filming the rain woman. Let's just call her that. In <laughs> in, in the in the scene of everybody else, we'll get shelters. into her later. He, he deserves a shout out, and actually three of them: the one that caught the lightning strike on camera, and the third. Oh, yeah! I want to give a shout out to Matt Burt for not swearing on commentary because he I, almost I, I honestly <laughs> like when he said he's been covering the sport for 25 years for reference i'm 21 years old and i've been watching the, the sport as long as i remember like i remember like back to when you have your first memories and i remember MotoGP gp being on the tv do you know what i mean I, i've never not been watching the sport and i can honestly honestly say i don't think i've ever seen a crash that big Like, maybe there wasn't as many flames or there wasn't a bigger impact on where he landed or whatever. But in terms of the actual, like, viciousness of the crash.
0: Ferocity.
1: Honestly, I just, I couldn't believe it. I really could. Like, you say that you can't believe it with it being Mark. I can't not believe it being Mark crashing. But, you know, when you see something and it's like, it's just gone beyond... What you already thought was the max. I mm-hmm. just, my mouth was wide open for a solid minute. And for anybody listening, on um, Sunday or Saturday evening, going into Sunday morning, for UK time, we actually sat in the Discord, uh, which you can join in our Twitter profile and whatnot. We just, we sat in the the Discord with a few of you and um, watched through the warm ups and the races. It was ever so good, really good chatting to some of you. Um, with Carly, mm. Alisa, um, yourself, Matt, Josh. Um, I was really good. And I've got to say, it, when when Mark crashed, I was lost for words. And anybody that knows me knows i yeah, silence. Really, very rarely am I lost for words. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So before we get into the Mark question, I just thought I'd put it out there. My opinion and my reaction to that crash is... I am just so happy that even if he said tomorrow, I will never race again, I've seen that he's walked away alive. And I know that sounds being very over the top, but 20 years ago, we look at somebody like Mick Doohan just over 20 years ago, who crashed 25 years ago, 20 years ago um, at Hareth, at a crash, not as vicious, really, very vicious crash, but not as vicious and ended his career. Yeah, you know I mean, like it ended his career completely. Um, and somehow came back from a very bad crash at Arras as well. But twenty years ago, if he if he had a crash like that, you would be saying, "I don't know how he's going to come back from that." You know, medically not as advanced and technically not as advanced with you know the the security and safety of MotoGP now. I am just so glad. I know he barely walked away but just to see him upright was like a relief an actual relief I couldn't believe it when I saw his head just like wobble and shake all over the place when he landed I thought he's he's out he's out cold a little bit like the Pyro crash at Magello in 2018 I think it was um one of those crashes that just oh very hard to watch um so on to your question <laughs> It's hard because, I, I, Neil Hodgson made a great point, you know, saying he's got all the money in the world. He's set for life. Um, he's achieved everything you can achieve. He's won, a motor, he's won a championship in every class. He's won eight world championships. He's been there, done it. He's beat everybody he can beat. Do you know what I mean? Like He's one of the best that's ever done it. Um, almost saying, look, get out of there. You know, you, you, you're 29. You can be healthy when you leave the sport that's more important than, you know, keep on going like this. But it's kind of like what I was alluding to on Discord when I was saying the reason you, you look at Honda and Marquez in the warm-up was quickest Honda at that point. And people go, well, how can he do it? But no, only the other Hondas can. And the thing that's made him crash might be down to his aggressiveness, but what's made him the top rider at the sport for the last 10 years is the aggressiveness. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a double-edged sword in the way that his riding style is so unique and so aggressive, so successful, but also it's caught up with him. It caught up with him in Areth when he had his crash with his arm. It caught up with him when he was in Sepang in 2011 with the, with the eye situation with Diplopia. Um, mm. And it's caught up with him in Indonesia. Uh, so, you know, do I think he should be looking at the future? Yes. Yeah, but listen, the guy is still competitive. There's no question about it. The guy's competitive. It's not like he's fizzling away and can't compete and he's trying to strangle the bike up to catch up with the other Hondas. He's he trying to push the Honda further than what everybody else is. Um, I don't know. I think we have to take the situation with kind of like a bit-by-bit bit approach and see... How he recovers from what he might have suffered from this crash, and just sort of take it race by race and say, look, if he if if Mark can't be where he wants to be, which is fighting for victories, middle of this year, at least, if he's not won a race by the middle of the year, I would be saying, don't bite off more than you can chew. Do you know what I mean? I, I would All be right. saying, if if you want to win races and you're only here if you can win races, you're going to have to push to that limit again that could really bite you back in the arse. And Mm. he only needs to look at 2020 to say, do I bite off more than I can chew and risk it? Or do I just sort of ride the wave and think it'll be all right? I don't know. But it's very difficult. It's very, very difficult to comment on somebody else's life and say what he should be doing. The guy's got, again the guy's got everything he needs in life do you know what i mean he's set for life and mm-hmm. he can do what he wants at the end of the day he's got a contract until 2023 or 2024 um i think it's 2023 the end of 2023 um it's very hard and difficult to sit here and say do i think somebody should retire at 29 i mean he's approaching the big 30 that's got to be taken into consideration you know he's he's kind of hitting that age where i think you're gonna be aware of the fact that you're either in your prime, or do you know what I mean like I don't think he's ever gonna to get to another level. And what I mean by that is I don't think he'll ever improve on like 2019. And people might say, well, that's ridiculous because 2019 is a an insane year for him. But what I'm saying, I can't see Mark doing that again. I can't see Mark doing a first and second only finishing and then the one DNF. I can't see it, me personally. I can't see that happening. Um, so you look at that and say, okay, if he can't do that, can he, can he still win? Yes. Will he still win? I think if you said to me, forget the retirement thing and he stays in the sport, he will win. I think he will win. I don't think, you know, if you said to me, Marquez is going to carry on to the end of this year, Marquez will win, <laughs> in my opinion. I think he will. Um, I'm not really kind of you know that's not rocket science to a lot of people, but you never you don't know how he's going to respond to this crash. You could have you could have his mom or his dad sitting there next to him saying, "Don't please don't carry on," and that might play on his mind. They might be sitting there saying, "Go for it." You never know, do you? It's very hard to tell like what right. somebody's mind is telling them or what's happening internally when you can only see it from the outside and you go, "God, if I had a crash like that, I would never race again." Mark Marquez you're talking about a different breed he's not the kind of guy to sort of do what we would do do you know what i mean mm-hmm. what what you would do after that crash and what i would do after that crash is probably lie in that gravel and wait for somebody to come and carry us off and sort of right pretend that we were dead but he stood up and he's you can see that he can't even put one foot in front of the other and he's still trying right. to walk he's still trying these guys are different breed. They really are. And if you want my honest opinion, and I gave this opinion after the Hareth crash, and I remember speaking to my dad about it, and my dad was like, there's no way on this earth he's going to try and ride. And I said, I think he will. And he did. He didn't end up racing, but he tried to ride. I think Mark right. Marquez, the Mark Marquez I know, will try and carry on, personally. That's what I think he'll do. What I think is right, I don't know. What do you think? Do you do you think he should?
0: I I think he needs to take this week off and evaluate. You know, because first of all, he's going to have to see how fit he is after something like that. He says he's okay. Uh, the reports that came out today that he said he feels fine. Uh, he's expecting to be in Argentina, um, but I think. And the other thing you have to think about—it's so early in the season. Like this isn't like it happened at Phillip Island or something where it's late on in the season, and it's like, oh well, I'm gonna, yeah, you know, like like what happened last year where he got hurt, you know, in a training accident, and then was able to take a few races off because he wasn't in contention, he could take that time yeah. off to yeah. recover. But I think over this season, if I like, in Mark Mark, if I was in Mark's shoes, I would take this season keep racing and just start thinking like, okay, how do I feel? How do I really want to yeah, keep doing Yeah, That's this? what because, I mean, yeah. I mean, you've seen riders like stoner quit early called, you know, retire early and he still has a great life. You know, it's not like once you retire, you're just nobody or even yeah. like Lorenzo, you know, Lorenzo retired and is able to go on and do all this stuff with uh, what is he? he's a journalist now.
1: Well, he did, and... he, yeah, he, he's a report, well, not report, he's like a pundit for Darzen, isn't he? And he's also mm-hmm. like a, uh, an investor and entrepreneur, if you like. But I think the other yeah. thing with that is is what Stoner wants isn't what Mark wants. Do you know what I mean? Stoner right. won two world titles and said, I'm happy with that. Mark Marquez is not happy with eight. He'll want nine, and then when he wants nine, he'll, if he gets nine, he'll want ten. Do you know what I mean? Right. Mark Marquez is not Stoner. And I, I do get where you're coming from. Um, Lorenzo basically said, I've had my time and I don't want to keep getting injured because when Lorenzo crashed at Assen in 2019 on that Honda and fractured two of his vertebrae, I think it was, I think that was Mm -hmm. the, that was it. That was the crash where he said, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I think he said that that's when he sort of decided enough's enough. Um, right. And you, you know, don't you? Like you only know yourself. Everybody else can tell you when enough's enough, but you know deep down when enough is enough. Whether it's you playing mm-hmm. football, whether it's you racing bikes or whatever, you know deep down when the time is up. And I mean, if Mark walked away at the end of the year and terminated his contract, you know, and said, "Look, I want to walk out healthy and uh, you know, healthy and safe." I would not judge him any differently as to what I would if he said I right. want to carry on because he's his own self. You know he can decide what he wants to do. He's done more than enough to warrant when he wants to call it a day, as they all have. But Mark, in terms of what he's what he's done and what he's achieved, you can only respect it. And if he wants to carry on, so be it. You know, isn't he's not taking up a spot on the grid and blocking it off or anything for somebody else. The guy's the biggest name in the sport. Now that Rossi's gone, he's the biggest name in the sport. He is. You talk right. to anybody that watches MotoGP this year, they'll say, oh, I know him, that Marquez guy. I've heard of him. Of course they will. So it's like, I don't know how anybody can sit there and say, Mark, you need to be retiring. It's saw I it haven't an opinion on it, but me, me thinking how I think about Mark and how he thinks, I can't see it. I think he'll be... I think it'd be there, Argentina, like, right, let's get back on it, personally. I... If he, if he's declared fit, I don't think he's going to go to Argentina and say, take it steady. I think he's going to go, not go hell for leather, but I don't think he'll be treacling around three seconds off the pace, do you know what I mean?
0: Right. But, yeah, okay, I cool. just wanted to, I'd, I'd seen other people on MotoGP Twitter discussing it, and I figured I'd bring it up and get our thoughts. Uh, for reference Or, uh, you made a comment about his contract. Uh, Mark has a contract till 2024.
1: Until 2024,
0: yeah. Contract year is 2024.
1: Right. So, everyone else is this year.
0: Bender's got the uh till 2024. Yeah. Um, Peko just re upped, which this web, yeah, yeah, this website hasn't updated it. It was from uh February 15th.
1: Peko's is still 2024,
0: isn't it? Yeah. Um, it does have contract or base salaries on here. So, this is an interesting one. Um, anyone who wants to see it, it's um, sportspayouts.com and just look up uh, MotoGP. GP. whether it's accurate
1: it. or not. I trust. Yeah. Um, well, and like I trust, like I I said, uh, more than I do those people.
0: Yeah. Like I said, PECO hasn't even been updated. So, but yeah. So, we're going to get into the racing that actually took place. Uh, and we're going to start with moto three. So with moto three, Dennis Foggia wins from Izan Guevara and Carlos Tatai in a race that started like any other moto three, moto three race with tight packs and wild moves. Foggia pushed his software tire to its absolute limit, building a five second lead at one point. All the while, Guevara Garcia, Tatai, and multiple other riders battled for the other two podium spots in the dive bomb fest that would make Darren Bender salivate. So what were your thoughts on the Moto three race? Like Bono said earlier, we, uh, we were actually in the discord talking live with some of you. And, uh, this race, I think was one of the ones where every move you could just hear somebody go, Oh, blah," it's mm-hmm. like they're making a as a move was happening. So, what were your thoughts on this race? Uh,
1: yeah, it was it was a good race. I think a lot of people will probably look at it and go, "Yeah, it was all right." Like because it wasn't Moto three dive bomb every single corner because there's not room for that at Indonesia. But I think all in all, it was actually quite a, a very. I, I think it was a very good race. Um, there was a clear favorite in terms of like after about five laps, it was a clear winner sort of already there with Foggia. Um just a class above, wasn't he, really? Uh mm-hmm. but the Aspoy guys looked good with Guevara and Garcia. Uh yeah, no, there there was some there were some good performances with obviously we had Aji on the front row, the Indonesian rider, sadly finished yeah. where did he finish? Fourteenth. I mean 14th. he got points, but, yeah, he dropped. Yeah, I mean that comes with, you know, a rookie starting from front row it's sort of like he could push like hell to try and stay with the group and i think that probably just didn't help his tires um that's me just mm-hmm. get you sort of guessing that but I, I assume that's probably what happened um and then we had a front group of 10 or well, 9 if you if you're not including foggia um i think there was some disappointing results and some very like you know interesting results in terms of like, okay, I wasn't really expecting CF Moto to be both into the top six. I rate Tatai and Artigas very high. I rate Artigas very highly last year. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't expect them to be up there. Like they, they weren't like there by fluke. They were there on pace. Um, right. So yeah, that was, it was interesting. I, I just, just a quick point. Um, I think Messiah, this year is make or break for genuinely. This might sound over the top, but I think this is make or break for Masia's career. And what I mean by that is, I don't mean if he doesn't do very well, he doesn't have a career in the sport. I think Masia is a brilliant rider, but I think it's make or break. As in, if Masia finishes in the top three of this championship, he'll have a good rider moto two to move up until uh, move up to sorry, and have a chance of making it in GP maybe. Maybe. We mm. don't know. But if Messiah on the Red Bull KTM Io team in Moto3, arguably one of the best teams, well, not arguably, they are one of the best teams, if he can't perform and get the results in a top team in Moto3, no top team in Moto2 is going to sniff around him. And that might mean he might get an average uh, ride in Moto2. And we've seen in the past, there's been a lot of those riders where they've showed promise in Moto3 and not really got the ride they want to in Moto2 and then sort of like lingered around a little bit. A bit like Jorge Navarro. He was in the Estrella Galicia team. Great team back in the day. And got a few race wins and whatnot. A really good rider in Moto3. And just didn't really click for a long period of time in Moto2. He didn't really get that break where he's in a good team um, that suited him. And I just really see that sort of path happening for Messiah. I really do. Um, I just thought I'd make a point of it. He finished P7. And yeah, he finished in the pack of people that finished, you know, right behind second place. Like second place. I mean, Guevara had a bit of a gap, didn't he? And it was sort of like a fight for third. And they were all in that pack. But they're the sort of racers that I look at and I go, Messia, for his quality, his experience in the class and the team that he's with... I think Akiayo will be looking at him and saying, You, that should be you in P2 and P3. You've mm-hmm. got Guevara there in his second year uh, in P2. Foggia, just experience as experienced as Messiah, been there and done it, but he's won the race. And you've got Tatai, newer than Messiah. Garcia, newer than Messiah. Onchu, newer than Messiah. Artigas, newer than Messia. You got you, in that team. Messi has got to be kicking himself in saying that was my race to get on the podium for sure like a hundred per cent if he sees himself as a championship contender. I know it's early days, but I dunno i personally, I think it's just a quick point to bring up. I just thought I'd mention that because we know that i o is he 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 knows how to spot talent. But he also doesn't take any crap. If you if you don't cut it, you, you don't last. He's very cutthroat and proven to be right. You know, he's he's been very cutthroat in I will pick Pedro Acosta as a as a rookie to come straight to the factory Red Bull team in in Three, mm-hmm. which is like, okay, so you clear, clearly think quite highly of him. And look what Acosta did. You know, he beat Messi. Right. Um he beat everybody for that fact. And bumped him straight up to motive two and clearly Aki sees something in him in Acosta and sees something in Fernandez and sees something in Messia and Holgado. But Messia has now had the chance to show it on multiple occasions. And personally, I just look at it and go, if he doesn't perform in the first few races this year, I can see him looking at the junior classes and saying, let's get somebody else in that seat for next year. Because, you know, you, there's no favourites in that sense you know you, there's no guarantees that he'll stay there forever and algado has been racing with a broken leg i think it is or a broken wrist it's like, like you know messiah personally i think should be doing a lot better than what he is um yeah not to have make it about all about messiah but um yeah there there were, there were some good results obviously quick shout out to scott ogden really happy to yep. see him get his first I was point bring him up. um I can't say I cheer for riders crashing. That's nothing I, I, I do. But <laughs> when I saw those two riders go down and Scott was already in the points, but when I saw those two riders go down, I think it was Tober and who was it? Was it Tober and or Tola? It might've been. Um, I was happy for Scott because it, it promoted him to two places and looking at Scott's, interview and whatnot, he, he was a little bit like, you know, I, I just need to improve here and there. And yeah, this place is to improve, but you've got to be happy for, you know, two race, second race, first full race is done. Let's not forget because he didn't finish the last race. First full race, finishing the points, you know, with considering the Q2 performance with the bike breaking and whatnot, and actually getting a lap in. If he started in 18th and he's finished in 13th. So he's improved his qualifying position, finished with points had a full race distance and come away with, you know, how many points you get for 13th? I think it's three points. points. So, you know, I'm very happy for Scott and very happy for Josh. I know Josh Watley has been beating himself up a little bit and saying, um, you know, he's he's sorry for the bad performances, but I think like, I can't remember who said, I think it might've been Taylor McKenzie. Uh, the team manager that said what they need to be doing is kind of at the start of the year saying, what's our gap to the leader and then seeing if that comes down, not position more so the gap to the quickest guy. So if they're four seconds off in Qatar in three races time, if they're 3.2 seconds, three seconds off, they're making progress. Do you know mm. what I mean? Um, Josh, very young guy, very unexperienced. It, it, you know what I mean? It's normal. It's very normal. Um, I'll keep, I'll keep blowing that trumpet. And yeah, I think the fact that again, he's brought it, he's brought it home. He's not pushed and crashed. He's brought it home more data for the team. So that can only mean positives, can't it? It can only mean more improvements to looking where they've gone wrong, looking where they've gone right and pushing for a better result. So all in all, a good race, happy for Scott, Uh looking forward to seeing um, John McPhee back in Argentina just talking on the British side of things. Um, Any thoughts, Matt? What were your thoughts on the race? Because obviously, I've got to say, I really enjoyed watching it with you and uh, Elisa. I think it was at the time. It was only us three, but we had had an interesting viewing, didn't we?
0: Well, like I said, it was, uh, yeah. in the intro, uh, it was one of those races where, like you said, there wasn't a lot of, like, breaking zone dive bombs, but it was like, Somebody would let off the throttle a little yeah. bit earlier and somebody would just keep it, keep in the throttle a little longer and was making these passes through these high speed corners as opposed to waiting for, I think it was turn one and turn 10 were the heavy braking zones.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, Mino, uh... Mino quite liked a, a lunge, didn't he? And then unfortunately, mm-hmm. he actually came back around to bite him and Sasaki took him out and ended up not finishing, which yep. was quite sad to see, wasn't it? So. Um but uh I, I think i could i could be again, I don't wanna be digging graves of people, but tatsuki Suzuki, I think he had a poor weekend i don't i don't i think again leopard looking at who's won yep. the race, Suzuki making a lot of work for himself, not making it out of q one um yeah, I think he's got it's, to he... uh reset himself yeah. for Argentina,
0: yeah, he didn't have a the best finish because he finished 10th place he was with that pack of riders because from him in 10th place down to yamanaka there's 11 seconds between yeah. them so it wasn't like he did horrible like he was way towards the back but he was yeah, towards he the back the pack of the, the pack he should place. be
2: yeah.
1: up towards the front of but like i look at people like i mean only one person could finish third but I do look at people like him and Masia and say like Suzuki's been in the class now for what, five years. I think these guys, like <laughs> if you want a, a, a spot in this paddock, a five years experience in what is seen as the, mm-hmm. the junior class of let's see where the talent really does. You know, when the cream rises to the top, you should be using your experience to your advantage and, not getting out Q one on a Leopard is poor, very poor. Right. Um, who knows? He might, you know, he might put it on pole and shut me up at Argentina. But talking of Mandalika, I think if I was to pick my disappointment, I would probably say Suzuki. Um, and I think my rider of the day, um, rider of the day, who. To be honest with you, I'll give it Guevara. And not just because Fodges are the winner and I'll pick the next best. He, I think last year we looked at Garcia and Guevara, and especially at Valencia, I remember Garcia sort of said, get out of the way a lot on the racetrack and sort of elbowed his teammate out of the way, as I would say, I'm the main man here. And I've got to say, watching that race, you tell me, Matt, what you think. But I looked at Guevara and thought, he looks like he put his foot down a little bit to say, no i'm the main man do you know what i mean sort of claimed authority in that team and said i don't care if you're seen as a championship favorite in garcia it, it looked like guevara really got his elbows out and had pace to come away from the pack and secure second
0: yeah i mean last season guevara was one of like i don't know if you want to call him a dark horse but he was one of those people he wasn't he wasn't always up towards the front, but when he was, you noticed him.
1: Yeah. He, he, he come good at the end of the year. I mean, I know he won a, yeah. filter, but like mine just forgetting that he did come good. He looked consistent at the end of the year.
0: Mm-hmm. So for like to see in this race and mind you, you know, brand new track. So everyone's sort of like all over the place, you know, to see him actually, like there was quite a few moves where it was Garcia on Guevara, just going back and forth again, through these high-speed areas. And it was, like you said, it was one of those things where, you know, he was, like, you know, kind of making it known, like, I'm not going to be your rear gunner. Like, I'm here yeah. to compete. I'm not here to try to hold people up to make you look good. I'm going to try to do what I need to do yeah. to win these races. So, I, in the if going into the season, if you would have said, you know, like, we, we we did the MotoGP predictions. If we'd have done Moto3, like, a surprise of the season for me probably would have been Guevara. I think he's going to do well.
1: I think, personally, this, this is a bit of a long shot, and I know it's sort of if buts, and maybes. Um, but I think if somebody like Arenas doesn't do anything this year and Guevara really steps up to the plate, Pretty much like Garcia was. I know Garcia struggled with injury and COVID and whatnot, whatever it was. Um, it was injury, wasn't it? I think he crashed at Cota and suffered something with his back and whatnot. Um, but anyway, if Guevara really steps up, he could find himself in Moto two next year. He could find uh, find himself fight for a championship this year if he um, if he shows that kind of grit and that kind of racecraft. Picking up those sorts of results, like, he, he could seriously find himself in a championship fight. So, yeah, no, I'm very happy with Guevara. I thought he he looked a different sort of class to the rest of the guys, apart from Foggia, which, you know, I don't think anybody can take anything away from him. He was utterly dominant as soon as he hit the front. There was no chance anyone was catching him. Um, who's your ride of the day? Oh, just quickly, before you give yours... Um, We've because of Josh's absence, he's actually sent us our uh, his rider of the day. So Josh has given uh Tatai his rider of the day, which I think a lot of people would agree with. Um sure. first ever podium, if memory serves me right. Um just a great great result, great poll. Looked quick all weekend. So I think he's deserved it, Tatai. Looked good in F P two, F P three, um, and F P one. Looks good in all all sessions, um, did Tatai. So that's Josh's pick. You pick him, Matt. Garcia, two, three,
0: and four. No, I'm going to actually go Dennis aren't you? Okay. Because I think he did really well. There was a couple points where it looked like he might be badly. Well, he was you know, in contention for the podium. There was quite a few times where it looked like he was going to be on that podium. Um, and then it was just, you know, he got beat out by... Yeah, you know, and he didn't lose by much. He lost the podium by two tenths of a second. Um, but mean, then to be, a, he beat both the uh, KTM Ajo riders. I mean, so, he's the top KTM. Yeah.
1: Which, again, yeah, when you're on the Tech 3 got... team and, you, and you're, and, and again, if you're IO, you're going to be looking at people like aren't you and saying, why shouldn't I give this kid the, the, the IOC? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, of course you are. If, if you look at somebody like that and say, dogfight, last couple of laps, you look at the people that have got experience. I mean, I know I'm talking different extreme, but, you know, 10 years ago, if you were in the last lap dogfight against Valentino Rossi, you were like, I'd be amazed if anyone could beat him because he's experienced. And you look at people in different classes and whatnot that have sort of been around the block a little bit. Like if Sam Lowes was in a dogfight in the last few laps, I'd expect Sam to win it. Against somebody like a young a youngster coming through, if it was Alderweire versus Sam Lowe's, I'd say Sam, if if unless he's got better pace than you, which there's nothing between those guys, was there in that pack apart from Guevara and Foggia, I'd be saying Sam, you should be winning that. You know the experience you've got, and you know just the overall package, you you should be beating him. So, you know, I, I'm not making a mountain out of a molehill. I don't want to seem like I am doing that, but for me. If I'm Io, I'm looking at people like Onchu and saying, if he can, you know, step up to the plate regularly like this, then for sure I would be saying Onchu might be getting a a factory bike, if you like. But still, a good pick nonetheless.
0: Yeah, so moving on to Moto2, uh, Somcat Chantra becomes the first high rider to win a race in MotoGP history with Celeste... Celeste... Celestino Vietti and Aaron Kinnett joining him on the podium in a race that saw late sprinkles of rain. We got a look at how the Moto2 season may shape out with the top four from Qatar finishing this race in the same order, just one position down. So this race was kind of, it, it was weird because I mean, it, for a Moto2 race, it is become like kind of the norm it, where it, it's not this tight pack racing it sort of spreads out. I mean you saw you know at the end of the race Chantra was leading Vietti by three seconds. And then yeah. you had you know a second, you know, one point one back from Chantra to or from Vietti to Kinet and then three seconds back to Lowe's and then another what is that five seconds back to Lowe's or back to uh, Fernandez yeah. And then there was a little pack there, but like Moto2 is one of those ones and the rain laid on because it did start to like sprinkle a little bit towards the end of this race. But Moto2 is is one of those where it just like sometimes you have tight pack racing and then other times it just everything spreads out.
1: Yeah, I think in Moto3 you can be half a second off the pace and win a race. You can be an FP2 and be genuinely four or five tenths off. But actually win a race or even get a podium because of the, you know, how close everything is, just slipstream and it can save your ass a little bit. And it comes down to race craft then. Whereas, and we've talked about this before, like the systems going through each year. And I think Moto2, there's no hiding place for that. Um, I think if you are half a second off the pace in Moto2, you're not going to get carried to a podium. Never in a million years, because your genuine pace has to shine through because you know, you look at somebody like Chantra, as soon as he got through to the front, you could not sit behind him and say, I'll oh, just sit in a slipstream like you can in Moto 3 and maybe get away with it. There was no way you could have done that. You had to be as quick as the guy and the guy was rapid. I mean it was quite funny actually we spoke about this um on Twitter. I was sitting there on on Saturday saying to um jules from sighting lap about swapping her because they're doing their own private fantasy team and she has Shrotter in her team and i was saying Mm -hmm. you should swap Shrotter out for chanter or elder gear and she was saying no i'm not i can't swap otherwise i'm not gonna swap because if i swap then you'll jinx it because as everyone knows i'm i'm a bad jinx um Which actually was quite funny, because when we watched the races through, there was a lot of things I was like, this will happen. It actually happened, apart from something which we will get on to. But yeah, I suggested Chantra. He won. I suggested Aldegar, finished 7th. Very good result. And Trotter finished P16. So um, she was quick to message me after the race to say, who do you reckon I should swap him out for? (laughs) (laughs) So that one was... uh, quickly swapped out but the thing that i wasn't right on i predicted jake dixon to win and oh my god matt will speak for me here and say how disappointed i was when um, and yeah. that happened because anyone watching that race british or not knew for well wow that that guy looks quick this weekend even if you weren't mm-hmm. you know he had no allegiance he looked quick jake was quick through a lot of sessions looked quick on qualifying i'm gonna quick get paul pace. Yeah, I got pole and Paul doesn't win your races, but I don't know what it was. I watched his interview. It's after a good place to start. In... Yeah, it's a good place to start. You know, it gives him confidence. But, you know, Jake was saying after, you know, pole pole doesn't get you any points, doesn't win you any races. And it's all right. Having all the pace and whatnot, you need to finish races to actually say, look, there's my proof. It will come. It will come. A good bike now with that team. They didn't win it with us first there a good team in general with Aspar. And that was proof. The guy has pace. They all came in on a fi- level playing field, having never gone there before. And who's shone to the top? Jake, in qualifying. Not in the race, but in qualifying. You, you can't just go to the top of qualifying and say it's fluke. The guy was quick all weekend. Uh, so very upset when jo- uh, Jake crashed. Um, yeah, nothing much really to say on that, other than what I've said. Sam Lowe's solid performance in P4. Don't want to make it all about the Brits, but just a quick mention. Um, disappointed for Sean Dillon Kelly, who retired, didn't he?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: again, I think he yeah, he's crash, had a bit of a tough weekend. out because, on
0: lap thirteen.
1: Yeah, he had a, he had a tough weekend, did Sean? Because I remember seeing him in Q1 when he could no longer go back out because the bike was damaged, and you could see he was you know visibly quite destroyed by that. Um, uh, you know a rookie at a brand new track. The guys are not even... Some of these guys, like Sam Lowe's, know these bikes inside and out. Sean Dillon Kelly doesn't know these bikes inside and out. It's a learning process. So, again, I've got a lot of sympathy for for Sean Dillon Kelly. I've got no doubt that anybody that's won a World Supersport Championship at any level um, has pace. You know, the guy's not slow at all. So, you know, give it time. Give it time. And I think he'll come good. Other than that, P11 and P12 for uh, Joe Roberts and Cam Bobier, respectively. Cameron Bobier. Yep. Um, did I say Cameron Roberts? I thought no. I said Cameron Roberts then. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah,
0: Joe Roberts, Cameron Bobier.
1: Joe, Joe Bobier and Cameron Roberts. There you go.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> but no, there were some really good performances. I think Toby Arbolino in P8 was a good result. Again. Mm-hmm. Second year now in a top team, sort of expect to get results. And there's, there's a lot. I think now in Moto2, we look at last year, there was two outstanding favourites in the, the IO boys, you know, with Gardner and Fernandez. But honestly, I think you can look at the top eight, which if I read out, even top nine, um, Chantra, Vietti, Canet, Lowe's, Fernandez, Agora, Aldegar, Arbolino Acosta. If you said to me any of those names were on the podium, I wouldn't be surprised. I think there's a really good... Right. Um, kind of filter for talent now in Moto Two. In that, if your PA, you're probably seen as that's an alright result. But the talent in that in that class now is really shining through. And you look at somebody like Chantru. Nobody had Dan to win, but I I, I personally think, which is why I said it, I think he'll come good. And he he clearly did. Um, you know, I think I think he's one of those that now he's had that result. We might see it a little bit more often. Um, And Agora didn't make it out of Q1 and got himself up to P6. That's a brilliant result for Agora. So that result with his teammate winning might not make him look great, but two riders kind of under the radar a little bit um, in terms of the results prior to now. But P6 for Agora comes back to that same old question. When I see Agora finishing P6... And see Takanakagami qualifying dead last doesn't put his job in great hope. Um, and I'm not no. speculating, I'm just sort of putting that one in the in the frame, if you like. I'm not gonna dig any deeper on that one. But um nah a good oh, I've thoroughly enjoyed the moto two race. I, <laughs> when I saw the rain spots at the end of the race, I was sort of worried that it was gonna get short, like flagged, if you like, and sort of called off. But um, right. But no, there was uh, definitely definitely some good racing going on.
0: Oh, and um, another shout-out, Pedro Acosta, yeah. who had to serve a long lap penalty for... And it, it was a weird, like, role that he broke because it wasn't, like, usually with... So what happened was there was a crash in... Was it qualifying or a practice session? I think yeah, qualifying. Aaron
1: Canet crashed it um, turn... I forget what turn it was. Two, I, I think it in. was,
0: because turn, turn two kept two. catching people out.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, it was turn two. Yeah.
0: But Canette was down. There was yellow flags out. And Acosta crashed where there was yellow flags. So to the, to race direction, that showed that he was pushing where there was yellow flags when he shouldn't have been. And so they gave him a penalty for that. So it wasn't like a disobeying yellow flags rule. It was basically like, oh, well, you crashed under yellow flags which means you were pushing so you get a long lap
1: yeah i, I think it's fair enough personally I, I, mean, I it's, think it's, fair, it's
0: fair i mean you clearly if you're crashing it's because you're pushing too hard it's just a weird but, rule yeah. because like you that's one you don't hear about that often probably not, because but... when yellow flags come out people slow the hell down
1: yeah exactly that's that's a good thing um but no, I think it's fair enough. And you, sometimes you might get away with it if there's oil on the track. Obviously, you wouldn't get penalised for that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't serve anything for right. that. Right. But at the end of the day, when yellow flags come out, you you should. The rule of a yellow flag is to slow down. There's a caution. Do you know what I mean? There's right. a rider on track. There's marshals on track or whatever that's down, vulnerable. You should be slowing down. You should be easing off. Now, if you ease off through that corner, chances are you're not going to crash. If it, it, if the data would have shown it was an off throttle, like failure or something that caused it to just flip off he'd be fine right but it didn't the guys you know still kind of on throttle and going through the cut. so yeah no I, I, fair enough completely fair enough and it's
0: right. a good result that
1: he's kind of mustered up from the position he was in but he's only got himself to blame for that personally and i'm not yep. you know i'm not digging up pedro costa but mm-hmm. i bloody love pedro Costa; an absolutely amazing talent but Pedro Costa can sit there and say woulda, shoulda, coulda, but you've got to obey the rules because if it, you know, if it's rules reversed and you were fighting for a championship with somebody and the guy you were fighting with the championship crashed when you were down, you'd be saying penalise him. Do you know what I mean? So right, not even for a cynical reason, but for a health and safety reason primarily, people should be penalised for that. So I'm all behind that. If that's the case, um, they're going to go down personally uh some people are against it but i don't get why i saw on twitter a couple of people being like that's that's bs and i was like i don't really see how you can look at that and say that that's wrong in any sense but each to their own um it won't go down that route of people of uh sorry ignoring that and being like ah well the fim or anything we don't you know people think it's rubbish so we'll get rid of it health and safety comes first You obey the flags that are put out by the marshals. So, you know, it's like if double yellows are are waved and you crash, that's even worse because double yellows is be prepared to stop. So uh, it's it's one to look out for because it's even more strict now if there's a yellow flag and you don't crash, but you have a lap time that's improved. Because if you've gone Mm -hmm. through that sector, it shows that you've not slowed down. So your lap time cancels. Good it's it can ruin sessions at times and I, I do get that it can be a little bit like oh that's ruined it now but i'd rather see that and see riders safe than see right. you know people pushing in i remember Silverstone, 2013 uh in the warm-up and cal crutchlow crashed coming down into um i forget what corner that is the val chicane um and he crashed marshals were out collecting the bike and mark marquez came down and barreled his rc213v into the gravel trap at full speed nearly hitting a marshall um very scary crash dislocated his collarbone but i can't remember what he said i think he got three points or something i think it was a point system thing but now if that was to happen i would give him a double long lap plain Mm. and simple for something like that so yeah on that just a quick point on that yeah i would I am definitely... It's a good point to make. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely the right decision.
0: Yeah, so uh, for Rider of the day, um, Josh went with Aldeguer. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's not um, a bad yeah. shout.
2: I love Aldegare. You know I love Aldegare.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so who are you going with, Bono? Ooh. Um...
1: Ah, uh, you know something. I really don't know. Uh... All
0: right, I'll take the. I'll take this one. Uh, I'm gonna go, Aaron Canet.
1: Yeah, did you uh, go an ace race as well?
0: I did, and I, I'm really liking what he's able to do on yeah. the. uh, Now that he's on a Calyx, now that he's on a bike, that you know he's he can be competitive on It's Yeah, you, know, it, it, you see stuff with like Vietti, where you know he's pushing too, and he's able to. Let, you know, now that he's on the vr46 you know what he's able to do but i just feel like connect with last season being on the Bosca Suro and it was like there was little glimmers of what could be and now yeah. that he's he got onto the calyx it's like here's what you can see
1: it's like when he was leading in austria wasn't he and then he crashed and mm-hmm. he was leading the race and it was sort of like i'm not blaming the bike but it was like Okay, the guy's clearly take you know, he's he's gone up a level. He's he started getting there a little bit. Right. So no, I, I totally agree. He's looked he's looked very good and very strong on that Calx machine. Um my pick's gonna be Agora. Um okay. it's very easy to pick Chantra, but obviously we we tried to veer away from picking the, the race winner. Um but to come from I believe mm-hmm. who's starting in twenty first, in Moto two, that is very difficult with how we were talking about like how oh, the yeah. race is set out, like It's very hard. Um, to find overtaking spots at times, and especially around a track like Mandalika, and to come from 21st all the way up to 6th and finish 12 seconds behind the guy that won, I mean, that's that's good going for Agoura. It just goes to show that if he would have yep. sorted his qualifying out, he could have been up there as well with Chantra. They could have got a 1-2 with the pace that he was on. So um, despite that, he had a great result to muster up 21st to 6th um, anyway. So yeah I'll go with I'll go with Agora so we've got Agora for me Can it for you and who did Josh pick Aldeguer Aldegar, so yeah yeah three solid picks and on to the big boys
0: Yeah so with MotoGP Miguel Oliveira takes the win while doing his best impression of Noah riding the waves of the great flood while <laughs> Fabio Quartararo finally figures out how to ride in the wet and Johann Zarco continues his streak of playing hot placing high in every session after an hour delay, which saw the Indonesian marching band performing in a hallway, a witch doctor performing a rain dance, impressive bottle flips, and a striking and striking flashes of fan interaction, MotoGP gave us what will go down in the books as one of the wildest wildest inaugural races in MotoGP history.
2: Yeah, which I, um... <laughs> this,
0: so Ugh. for context, when this race started, when 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 the race was supposed to start. It was 3 a.m. Eastern time. What was it, 5 a.m. or 4 a.m.? No.
1: 7 a.m. where I am.
0: 7 a.m. UK time. Bono had not been asleep. I had been up all day, and it was going on 3 in the morning. And then it was... So it started raining at the end of Moto2 and did not stop. And we just kept watching the screen like what is going to happen can i can we go to bed at this point and yeah they, they kept pump like moving the start time and moving it up and moving it up and moving it up and they were still trying to get all the um pre-race activities in like you had the the band performing in the hallway uh had, like
1: the, I the think president they... show up and it, like sort of like yeah. uh, let's get this on camera yeah. and it was like after a five minute show it was like can we get him to do something, or like you know? And then we saw him with Carmela, Carmelo, Carmelo Aspaleta. Like maybe this will mm-hmm. look like something's going to happen. Like it was, you know. And it, we, what, I mean, to be honest with you, it was more a case of what we didn't have um, in Indonesia. I mean, Christ, when it was seven o'clock, and like Matt said, I'd not slept because I thought, you know, I'll stay up for it. I, I watched it all from start to finish. At seven a.m. When you've not slept, and you get to the point where like you're finding anything to keep you awake, and then I see what I believe to be a witch doctor walk down pit lane barefoot. <laughs> I start to question if I'm becoming delusional or if I'm just completely sleep deprived, or both. Um, and then I, I kind of ask everybody else in the call Am I seeing what everybody else is seeing? And then I see I see fans going ape in, the, in the stands, just going absolutely ape. Um, I see lightning strike the track. I see, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know what I didn't see. Do you know what I mean? I, I I just saw everything sort of happen. Um, and I thought it was just gonna be another Silverstone 2018 where we didn't get a race. I'm amazed we got one, um, mm-hmm. in the end, which I'm glad we did, but
0: I think I've, yeah, finished... the skies finally just stopped for a little yeah. bit so that they could get a race. In. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> I think, if memory serves me right, I finished watching the racing at about 10 a.m., half nine, 10 a.m., and I knew about it. Put it that way, I knew about it. I'm still on Indonesian time zone, so currently we're recording this at 20 to 10 at night, and I'm kind of tired because of the lack of sleep, Uh, but I'm still sort of prepared to go for another 12 hours without sleeping, which is kind of annoying when you're at university, um, but you know, besides my life problems with staying up until God knows when for MotoGP, this is what we do. This is this is our commitment to <laughs> races across the other side of the world. Uh, but honestly, <laughs> racing terms, I heard you say about Fabio learning to ride in the wet, and I kind of got a little bit annoyed with people saying that because I was like, the guy can ride in the wet, he can. It's just—it's a known fact that that Yamaha has always been bad. Well, I say always—it's been bad in the wet these last few years. Been been atrocious mm-hmm. in the wet. Um, and I've got to be honest, when he went down to like P five halfway through, I thought—and I said, didn't I? I said, if you said to me top five, I would sign on the dotted line now. But right. that second half, he come to life, didn't he? I think, I think we were kind of in agreement that when he hit second. If there was more than three laps, if there was five or six laps, I think he would have pushed for Oliveira. I think he played it smart and said, I'll take 20 points, which is definitely the right, right. decision. But you were worried. I think with his pace in the second so, half, Matt was worried that Quattro was going to catch him. And for good reason, when you see, when you see a Yamaha come that good in the second half of a wet race.
0: Yeah, it was like four laps to go. Cause you could just see Fabio was getting faster, and he set the fastest uh, lap time with uh one thirty eight four or one thirty eight seven four nine, and that was lap seventeen. Yeah. So late on in the race, he was coming, and it like at one point, it was like la- three or four to go. I just saw the time drop, and I'm like, no, like you can't, you, j- no, he like Fabio. Over the past few years, has just like dreaded wet races. You know, whenever it started to get sketchy, he drops off. Um, you know, you, you look at Lamar last year where he was leading the um, rain started, and Jack Miller just took off after that. You know,
1: yeah, the, 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 the Ducati last year looked a lot more fitting for wet races than the Yamaha for certain, but. To come in with mm. P3, treated that like a win, which I I did as well for a, for a Yamaha. And I say the Yamaha's not been great in the wet, And to be honest with you, it's not done bad, but there's been certain races prior to last year that have suffered badly.
0: Well, and then like Austria last year, you know, Fabio's in that top six pack. They come in to swap bikes and then he drops back after that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. Some, it was stuff like that where it's like, as you're watching, it, it's like, You know, because Jack Miller got off, you know, quick in this one. He was up front for most of the part, and at that point, Miguel was just able to follow along and see where Jack was doing stuff and how he was doing it, and able to get past him. I didn't expect that
1: though. I really did not expect Miguel to sort of stick with Miller, let alone pass him.
0: Right. You. This was one of those races where, when Jack got out because of how he is in wet races, you sort of just we're like okay yeah he's off and you know this is going to be a miller win and you know who finishes second at I that thought point i
1: was be between miller and zarco to be honest
0: mhm and zarco was one of those ones all all, uh, all weekend you just like every time you looked at the uh, leaderboard at the end of a session it's like zarco's in the top 5 and so it was one and he even got what i think he was second or third at the start of the race it was a Premack 2-3. Uh, yeah, so uh, he was third. And when it started raining, you were just kind of like, well, how does this play out for Zarko? And he managed it really well. Yeah, um, agreed. And then <laughs> the battle in the middle of the field came about. And oh, yeah. th- that stuff, like as cool as it was to watch miguel take the lead and to watch fabio to watch this middle pack of riders from i want to say from eighth place down to about 16th yeah because <laughs> if you look at the timing charts bender finished eighth place he was 32 seconds back you scroll down all the way to 16th where maverick vignales was he was 37 seconds back so this span of four seconds or all these riders, what? And if you watched the, uh, the timing screen lap to lap, it just was constantly changing.
1: Yeah. Um. A quick point: If anybody saw the uh, wobbles coming out of the last corner, they had my heart in my mouth. Saw oh, Paul yeah. Bargro wobble. We saw Martine wobble. We saw quite a few riders have a, a couple of scary moments. And I do quickly want to do a quick. Um sort of pass it on to you, Matt, but after I make my point is the scary adding to turn one, I'm talking about Peko. I don't know how he saved that. But second of oh, all, yeah. what on earth happened? He I mean, it's two races in. I'm not gonna judge the guy on two races, but
2: uh...
1: he's he's not happy. He he's had no it's been very public about he's not been happy with what's happening at Ducati at the minute and after that, this was pre race. After the race, I can't see there being many uh many, many happy grins, if you like, coming from that garage because fifteenth that he finished. Fifteenth behind. I mean, look at the Ducati's he finished behind. Miller, Zarco, In fact, the only it was either bottom Ducati, apart from Digi. Oh no, sorry. People finished behind Digi and Bazeki finished behind him. As yep. well as Martin, obviously he crashed, but he was in front of him before he crashed not that I mean he still finished behind him, but um fifteenth. Y- and you- before the race, I said if it's wet, Peko was my my pick to win. I had Peko to win if it if it right. was wet. And fifteenth, like that's almost as if imagine if it was dry at Lamont, you'd say Fabio. Imagine if Fabio in the dry finished P fifteen. At Le Mans, you'd be like, mm-hmm. what has happened there? Because you know, if it's dry, I mean, I know it's a home race for him, but Magello. when we saw it was dry in Mugello, we said if Fabio gets a little break, he's he's off. No one's catching Fabio last year. We said he was off. He was going to win. I was facts. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. Same at Silverstone. You know, when it, when it came to Silverstone, we all spoke, didn't we, over the weekend and we're saying, we, we're all pretty synonymous with it's Fabio's to lose. And he he cleared up. I'm not saying it was Pekka's to lose. It wasn't at all. But 15th. Like, I mean, you tell me, Matt. I I don't know. I don't really have anything else to say (laughs) on it other than, wow.
0: Yeah. And you look at, yeah. And it's early on. We're at race two. Um, And everyone keeps saying the same thing. Once they get to Europe, Ducati will get back on their terms. But out of two races, a possible 50 points. Peko comes away with one point. Now, Mm -hmm. mind you, it's early. There have been previous seasons where the person who won or was leading the championship once they get back to Europe just completely falls apart. But at the same time, you have to be scoring points to win a championship. And if you're DNFing race one and finishing 15th in race two, just you're scream. throwing yeah, points yeah. away. Like, yes, there is still what we have: twenty-two races this season, twenty-one races, something like that. Yeah, but and we're into race two. But it's still the point of that's fifty points. And being coming into the season, Pekka was one of the front runners,
1: if not the front runner, with the formers yeah. on last year. I mean, you're looking at Pekka. You know, fin- like, it, Clatter, last... you've given him a new contract. You've said, right, come on then, right. let's let's see it. And it's like, look, it could you've, be the bike. Like, we, we've said, us- haven't we? We've said that the this spec engine thing could be whatever. Yeah, but,
2: yeah.
1: but, look at Indonesia. You, you know when we talked about last week with Suzuki, when we were saying, when you've got both bikes finishing next to one another, you can see that that's the bike. That's where the bike's limitations are at. And it was the same this week, right. wasn't it, with the Suzukis? It was like the there or yeah. thereabouts again. So it's great data for Suzuki because they can see that that's the bike's performance on both riders. It's consistent. But when <laughs> you say, when Pekka comes into the garage and says, that bike's not good enough or whatever they've done to that bike is not good enough, you know what you are going to do? They're going to say, well, Jack Miller got it working. Well, Sarko right. got it working. Do, do you know what I mean? And I'm not saying they'll throw him under the bus, but you can't come in when your teammates Finished. Where did Miller finish? P fourth uh, uh, fourth, fourth. Sorry, yeah, fourth. Yeah, Miller's finished P four. You can't come in in P fifteen and say that bike's not up to scratch because they'll say, "Well, Miller got it working in the wet, so it's not bad in the wet." You know, um, I don't know what specifically happened um, to 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 Bagnaia, but he'll be looking to be on the podium at Argentina, no doubt, um, just because of if Mark doesn't turn up depending on, you know, his crash and whatnot. Um, if Mark is there or if he's not, he's got to look to beat Mark with the likes of Mia and Fabio. Because obviously Mia's finished, what did he finish in Qatar? Like P6, I want to say? P5? No, P6. Yeah, uh, something Mark, like that. Because I think it was Alage, Mark, and then Mia off the podium. Um, and then obviously Fabio has just finished P2. So in terms of Pecco's rivals, like he's... The bottom of that pack, isn't he? He's the bottom of the mm-hmm. bunch in terms of ones that you're going to think are fighting for the for the championship.
0: M- Mir was sixth place.
1: Yeah, sixth. So, and didn't he finish? Where did he finish this race? Just gone seventh,
0: seventh or eighth?
1: I think it was seventh, I believe. Because yeah, Binder finished eighth.
0: Tabs now,
1: I think he was the back of that. Uh, oh, no, Mir no, was. Mir was sixth again. Oh, sixth again. There you go. Two sixth yeah, places. So, you know, yeah consistent i suppose i mean it's not where he mm-hmm. wants to be but if i'm me i'm going well Pecco's, you know giving me a sort of helping hand with not having another championship rival doing great at all he's still scoring consistent points which me knows himself when you get to the end of a championship that's what counts you know what i mean like mm-hmm. in 2020 he just carried on picking up points picking up points and the ones that fall don't pick up points so you know kind of leads us on to the next guy that you want to talk about as well
0: yeah speaking of falling um yeah we said about coming or how disappointing ben has been martine has been even more disappointing because he's dead last in the championship standings after this race um he has not scored any points and he's marked last because he's crashed out of both races you know, mind you, Qatar not his fault. Peko ran say, into it, him.
1: It was it was Pecco's fault. He wasn't finishing at Qatar,
0: right? But like this race, from what um, everyone's saying, it this one was his fault more because when he came down the straightaway, he was in a slipstream, and when he got to the breaking point, he was like a kilometer or two faster. So he grabbed the brake, the front brake, a little bit harder, hit standing water. Or there was a stream of water. It wasn't standing water, but there was a stream of water going across the track, and mm. that pretty much just wiped out the front end of the bike. So, yeah, with conditions like this, you have to be even more cautious. If you're in, even if you're in a slipstream, you, know, you got to move over, you know, and you know try to stay on the bike. Yeah, you know, there was certain riders that were saying, um as they were going around the track they were able to lean and actually touch the ground yeah and so it wasn't like the conditions were completely horrible he just
2: just missed the breaking game. point yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Which but is quite i mean to, like because, yeah like like you say you, you look at he was a like front martin. runner yeah yeah and i still have martin down for finishing p5 this year i i do think he'll finish top 5 but mm-hmm. you know i've i've still Again, leading on to another point, but um, with Marquez, I had him down as my... I, I did think Peko, but I think when we picked our um, championship winners, I was like, you know, not to be different, but to like have a different one. But I do still think he's got a chance. Is Marquez. But again, with Marquez and Martín, to win a championship, you've got to finish races. And Mar- yeah. uh, Marquez obviously not participating in that one. And Martín not finishing doesn't put my prediction in a great... Um, a great place but it is what it is i suppose um leading on to a point made by um danny in the discord danny rossi he's quick shout out as well he actually sorted me out with the graphics for my for my twitter page and whatnot so quick shout out for him um he mentioned about nakagami um obviously relating to his job situation and i know it's pretty well documented that he may or may not have that job next year because of Ayagora, and depending on how well he does. Obviously, yeah. Ayagora finished P6, I believe, um, if I remember from earlier's conversation. But um, yeah, all in all, Nakagami qualified dead last, didn't finish in the points. You can't really yes, say, P6. yeah, yeah, Agora P6. You can't really say, looking at Nakagami, can you? That he did himself any justice this weekend
0: Mm-mm. no and i mean this race like we said before is sort of an anomaly you know it's it's a one-off race where like as much as the results matter you can't really like take this one as an absolute but you look at last week i mean you finished 10th which for a uh, second level honda I guess if you could call it, I mean, it's pretty good. He still, he beat his teammate, but that's not saying much because it's Alex and he crashed out.
2: Yeah, but, but I, I
1: mean, I just look at Tack and I'm like, if, if you want to keep your job, you need to be near a podium. You do. Yeah. Your 10th is not good
0: like we've No, and we've seen that he's been able to do it. What was it? Aragon last year a uh, year before two... last, yeah, he, yeah he, 2020. he
1: qualified pole. I know he crashed, crashed out, but 180... Valencia as well, if you remember, he crashed out fighting mm-hmm. for the podium. Um, he, he does have the pace, he does, yeah. but it's a little bit like a Maverick situation where it's almost like when the stars align, he's got pace. Yep. But every week, you know, he's qualifying just dead last, hit... and yeah, yeah. It's hit and miss, hit and miss entirely, um, and that ain't going to... I ain't going to keep him a job at the end of the day no, and and, and to be honest I think my personal opinion I think he will become what Stefan Bradle is doing I think he'll become the test rider mm-hmm. because testing he always looks good in testing he always does right. um, and he'd be a great substitute rider but I don't see him going to World Superbikes really he might he might but I don't know I think being Japanese oh. kind of keeps him within the internal HRC sort of cluster of riders well,
0: There's uh... There's the Honda um World Superbike team.
1: That's what I mean. I don't really see him going to World Superbikes because they've got Laquona, Which, a great talent, and they've I, got I was uh, about to yeah, Yehe, who Yeah. You would like to think if you're one of those two, I don't know what length of contract they're on. I think Laquona's on at least two, or not at least two. I think he's just on two. Um, but you would like to think they've signed them for the long term to sort of build that Honda back up again.
2: Right. With the
1: GP and Moto 2 experience they both got. Um I don't know. I just don't. I don't look at Nakagami and see a, a world superbike in him. I don't. I might be wrong, but I think if Honda said stay with us, be a test rider with the chance of having the odd race here and there, I think he'd take mm. that because I think he knows he's not going to ever fight for a world championship. Yeah, I think he's, he'd probably accepted that. Right. Um, so to to know that, and it kind of be a well known fact, you're not attracting a lot of teams. So if the team that you're with does offer you to stay as a test rider, I think he'd be very much obliged to go and do that really uh,
0: yeah i mean you I have see. to figure in like when uh, alex got moved up to the Repsol team and then got moved down and Paul got moved up and nakagami kept getting looked over you kind of at that point just have to go well this isn't happening yeah take what you can do the best but again if his best isn't good enough and you've got this hot young talent Who's Japanese in an Asian team, you know, and he's he's performing well. They're going to want him in the, you know, at least the edemitsu team. Let alone trying to get him into the Repsol team.
1: Yeah, and I look at somebody like Ayagora, whose team manager Hiroshi Ayama, former test rider for Honda, and I think mm-hmm. if he kind of has the right sort of contact and the right sort of. Link, if you like, to Honda, which he clearly does managing Honda Team Asia. I see Igor right. being well in the line for that ride at the Itamitsu LCR, mm-hmm. and he'll only attract more and more sponsors with the age that he's at. So there's that. And yeah, I just think it's a better fit, personally. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm sure Nakagami is a great guy, looks like a great, great team player because he's been there for a while. Yeah, he's Japanese, so that probably plays a factor, but. The guy's not slow, but Mm -hmm. it just comes to a point where you can't sit there and say he's not had his chance. This is his like fifth year, I think, in MotoGP. So, fifth, sixth year. So, you can't sit there and say he's not had his chance. And Honda will know that. So, you know, if they know he's quick, but not quick enough to win races and podiums and whatnot, you've got to give it to somebody else eventually. So, that's my view on that. Um, so, yeah, rider of the day. Do you want to get into that?
0: Well, we've got to get to uh, Josh's first, since he isn't here. Uh, he went with Rins uh, for ri- finishing fifth in the rain and not crashing out. So Those are Josh's words, not not ours. Yes. Because... Well, that is a quote from Josh about why he picked Rins. Um, yeah. Long time I... for, for Rins <clears> in, throat>
1: this, throat> in this world.
0: It's becoming a joke around here. <laughs> Uh I am going to take Darren Bender. um something we didn't talk about was this whole midfield battle that was just you know chef's kiss of overtakes and brother on brother crimes well we we did
1: mention it, but it, it was more the case of just like how good that was to see the guy mm-hmm. that and you know the guy that everybody everybody no matter what side you're on you can't sit there and say oh he thoroughly deserves that seat because he didn't do anything to warrant that seat but (laughs) but given the guy you know the actual seat and seeing what he's done with it he -hmm. wasn't a mile off last week at qatar uh and when given the battling for remy
0: for points
1: yeah he battled remy for points and People can say, oh, it's in the rain, it's in the rain. You keep saying that, but it was in the rain for everybody, and he took his opportunity and finished in the top 10 in front of Peko and the likes of, so you would never have said that before the race.
0: I did love the uh, moment where he overtook Brad, (laughs) and Brad just sort of looked over and was like, who the hell is this? Oh, wait, it's Darren.
1: Yeah. No, it was the other way around, wasn't it, when Brad lunged up the inside of Darren, and Darren looked over. But oh yeah that's yeah, it yeah, yeah 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 that was good it was good um yeah i'm obviously picking fabio uh of no, course no surprise no no real bias in it other than the fact that there is a bit uh but not like complete bias. there is yeah there is but if if i'd have said to you before this race fabio will get on the podium you'd have told me i'm talking out my ass you would have done yeah and rightly so you would have said i'm talking out my ass And I look at Morbidelli, Morbidelli came from P15 up to P8, mm -hmm. which is a great result. Like no Yamaha in the past has been like, that's never Uh, been the bike. P7. Yeah. Yamaha has never been the bike where it rains and everyone goes, oh, he'll end up near the front if he started at the back. Never been the bike. right? So that second half of the race from Fabio, it was the the best rider in the second half. If not, maybe Zarco, because he did have the pace at the end, but, you know at the end of the day, Fabio was the one to rise to the top, other than fetching Oliveira, which, mm-hmm. as we kind of discussed before coming on air, um, you were quite worried, weren't you, going into those last few yep. laps? If there was a few more laps, I think it would have been the case of pushing for um, those 25 oh, points, opposed yeah. to 20 points, but yeah, now thoroughly, thoroughly happy for Fabio and Yamaha for the results mm-hmm. in the factory team, but I mean, if not, there are some like stellar rides anyway. I mean, Darren's a great mm-hmm. shot for you, and Rins for Josh as well. Mere, like for the inlines to get good yep. results in the wet is always a great result. Like if they can finish in the top ten, it's you know you kind of have to look at it in damage limitation terms. But to finish second best, I can't be can't be uh, grumbling at that. So yeah, there's there's riders of the day done.
0: Yeah, so uh, something we're going to try to do more of this season is uh, look at the championship battles. And now that we're two races in, it actually varies other than what the race res- results were. Um, so first place, we have A Bashaniti on 30 points. Brad Bender is in second on 28. Third is Fabio Quattar on 27. Fourth is Miguel Oliveira on 25. And fifth is Johan Zarco at 24. So we're going to do the top five for a while. And then eventually, as it, sort of starts to narrow down we'll move the list down so but that at least this way we can keep an eye on the championship fight see who's moving around see who's in contention you know it's early days but yeah, you know, at least now we know and we yeah you know, have a good idea so uh that does it for the championship moving into moto gp fantasy uh which again if you haven't signed up for it, be sure to go on to fantasy.motogp.com uh search for red sector we're the only one that comes up um if you can't find it that way message us on twitter we can send you the link uh this weekend we had some high high people high up in the standings finishing in the top three uh kids are mean got first place for this weekend jmg racing got second and guinness man got third place so in the overall standings they are third sixth and fourth in the championship
1: but so if you read if you read out kids are means team you like you would have yeah. never oh, ever, ever have said those riders going into mandalay I, I would have been kind of shit bricks if i was him going into the race
0: well and it's something that they changed on the website because last week we couldn't do this. This week we are able to, we can actually view people's teams again. Uh Kids Armin had Franco and Fabio as gold riders with Yamaha as his team, Rins and Oliveira as his gold riders. Which, unless he made some just off-the-wall <laughs> trades, because you you have until the end of FP4 to get your trades in but unless he like if he went into this if he had this team in guitar too then something's wrong
1: yeah nice
0: like he he got extremely lucky
1: yeah they struck gold there uh fair play can only sort of credit them i suppose but yeah i mean if, if that team does well I'm happy because Mm -hmm. he's got Yamaha and Yamaha riders. So hopefully kids on me and finishes top because that will probably mean that Fabio's fought for a world title and hopefully won one and maybe Frankie. (laughs) So fingers crossed, but no doubt I'll jinx that. So, you know, there's that. And obviously we probably did bang average or whatever and finished.
0: Uh, Looking at us, uh, we, Josh is in 28th place. I am in 29th place. And I have to keep clicking load more to find Bunno <laughs> in 46th insult. place.
1: <laughs> I can't say that. You, you, just, you could have just left it at, hang on, oh, he's in forty-six. But you, the fact you have to mention that you have to load more to find where I was. Um, Which,
0: by the way, um, we are up to 64 people in the Fantasy League. So if you're um, new, welcome and uh, enjoy kicking our asses every week. So.
1: Yeah, like, like Matt said, if you're not part of the league and you want to join, then just again, search it up on the Fantasy Leagues, and if you can't find it, follow us at Red Sector MotoGP on Twitter and messages if you need the link or the code or whatever it is. Uh, and then yeah, join so, the Discord as uh, well. Join the Discord. We have a MotoGP Fantasy channel for everyone talking mm-hmm. MotoGP Fantasy. So feel free to trick uh, your team in there and slag other people off for their team if you like.
0: Yeah. Uh, look, like I said earlier, uh, Kids Army is currently in third place overall. Uh, sec. Second place team is Tech's Team, and first place is Wally87 from what looks like South Africa.
1: Wasn't he the one that boosted in Qatar?
0: I think he might have been, yes.
1: He or she, or they, or I don't know, but yeah, yeah. Yes, they are already a boost down. Well, maybe they know something we don't. Do you know what I mean? Maybe they're, they've got a trick up their sleeve. Who knows?
0: Something made, you yeah, know, if you, you know, Wally87, if you are a psychic, please let us know.
1: Yeah, let me know, because I'm, <laughs> I'm always the one to fall short, so feel free to let me know.
0: Yeah, so uh, that's it for today. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Red Sector. Uh, You can follow myself at Matt Polanski1. You can follow Bono at BonoGP underscore and Joss at WilsonJ194. Please be sure to leave us a five-star rating review. Uh, It really does help us get noticed. It helps us bump up the list of MotoGP podcasts for people who are searching for them. So if you could, please, that would greatly help us. And with that, keep the throttle pinned.